Balakula BC, and most people in BC have never even heard of Balakula BC. Um, just to give you an idea of how small, remote this, this place was, it wasn't even a town, it was classified as a village. Um, you had to drive five and a half hours from, from, no, from anywhere to get there. Um, part of that drive was over two and a half hours of gravel road. Uh, to this day, if you don't get to Balakula, you have to go down these like winding, treacherous switchbacks to get there. Um, the, the population of Balakula, 600 people. It was so small that it didn't even have an ice rink. One of the handful, small handful of towns in Canada that didn't have an ice rink, which was the reason why the hockey dream got crushed. But it didn't deter me as a kid from having these big dreams, big ambitions, big ideas of what I wanted to be when I grew up. I found a new love when I was 13 playing electric guitar. And I was going to become a, a guitar player in a big rock band one day. I could even picture it, playing on a massive stage, acid wash jeans. I was hoping to have hair teased up, all that kind of stuff, ripping solos under the bright lights. I could see thousands of girls just screaming, going crazy. But when you think back, when you think back to, to what you wanted to be as a kid, Maybe you can relate a little bit. Maybe you can relate. Um, for me, though, I didn't want to settle for anything that, that was mundane, ordinary living. I wanted big, and I wanted dramatic. And it was interesting how the church even, like, kind of fanned this whole uh, desire into flame. You know, for the most part, in my teenage years, my, so my church that I was a part of there in, in Balakula, that's where I spent all my teenage years in this little tiny village. And, uh, but once a year my youth group would make the trek, long trek, out of Balakula to the annual youth convention, church youth convention, youth conference that we would go to. And the message that I heard over and over and over again was something along the lines of, get out there and do something big. Get out there and change the world. The conference that I was a part of actually even had a name. It was called History Maker, with the big idea being, hey, don't be a nobody be a somebody for Jesus, go out there and make history. And all of us teenagers would be like, yeah, we're going to go change the world. We'd have this amazing mountaintop experience, and we'd be all hyped up on Jesus and adrenaline and soda and just being around all these, these people, the monumental, uh, just these visions that we would have. We'd be so excited to get back home. Man, it was going to be changing the world, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The world was going to be a different place because of us. We weren't settling for the ordinary. We weren't settling for the mundane. We were convinced that we were world changers. But then something would happen every single year after youth conference. That something was called Monday morning. The alarm clock would go off like it did every morning. I'd hit it repeatedly, the snooze button, like I did every morning. I'd eventually drag my butt out of bed, pour myself some Cheerios, always plain because my mom wasn't a big fan of the Honey Nut Cheerios because they would wreck my teeth. I'd make the 10-minute walk to school. I'd open up my English textbook, then my math textbook, then my social studies textbook, just like I did every day. After school, it was off to my job at the grocery store where I was just an ordinary clerk. My life had gone from mountaintop Big dreams, big moments to being ordinary and even mundane. And I distinctly remember this one, this one uh, Monday 
or maybe it was a Tuesday, but it was shortly after this youth conference, and I, I, I remember just being in the grocery store, and I was doing the, the job that every grocery store clerk loathes. The job where you would you go through all the shelves, you'd pull all the cans from the back of the shelf up to the very front, because you wanted to have a nice even shelf front and have it look like the shelves were full. And I remember this one, this one day, as I was there just doing this, this regular, everyday job, thinking something along the lines of, so much for changing the world for Jesus. How can I be a history maker when I'm a ninth grader stuck in a little old town called Bellacula that nobody's even heard of stocking shelves in a grocery store? And I became lost in what seemed like the monotony of just everyday life, wondering when or if my big moment would ever come, convinced that the stuff of everyday life, writing English assignments, stocking sh shelves, and begging groceries didn't really matter. And maybe you've, you've found yourself there before. Maybe you're there right now. You're waiting for something really big to happen, yet stuck in the ordinary. You're waiting for some kind of mountaintop while unable to see the significance of the place that you're in right now. And this series that we're, we're launching into today uh, is not going to be about going out and changing the world for Jesus. It, it's not going to be about getting you all hyped up to go out and take massive risks for Jesus. The goal of this series is not to make you feel guilty because you've settled or because your thinking is too small. Instead, it's going to be about helping you understand the significance of you being faithful right where you are, no matter how small or mundane of a place that might be. This series is for the stay-at-home mom who spends her days fixing meals, picking up toys, changing diapers, and finds herself wondering if it all really matters. This series is for the refinery worker who checks the same systems day in, day out. It's for the school teacher who, who teaches the same lessons year after year after year. It's for the office worker, the plumber, who does pretty well the same thing day after day after day after day after day after day, month after month year after year, and wonders where God is in it all. This series is for church volunteers and leaders who tirelessly serve month after month, year after year, with their fruit of their labor barely showing, and wondering if God's really with them, if, if it all is really making a difference, and if they just need to have more faith, or if they're doing something wrong. If you haven't noticed, we live in a world that is obsessed with big. It's obsessed with big. Whether that's becoming a big name, someone who's famous, or, or whether that's, that's winning some kind of big accomplishment, you get that full-ride scholarship, or you win that championship. It, it's about the big moments. We're all about big. We're restless. We want to have more than what we have, and the message is everywhere. Your boring, ordinary life is not enough. It's everywhere. You need extraordinary you need to be a world changer. And I want you to hear that, that there's nothing wrong with big. There's nothing wrong with mountaintops. But where we make the mistake is when we prop the big up so high that we start thinking that everything else is insignificant. And what this series is about, it's about helping you see that the everyday matters just as much, if not more, than the mountaintops. And so I want to get into some scripture um, if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, we're going to be in the book of, of, of Luke in chapter 9 this morning. And in this story that we're going to read, it's a story about mountaintops 
and it's a story about the everyday. It's a story that's become known as the transfiguration, where uh, Jesus brings uh, three of his closest disciples, he brings them up on a mountaintop, and while they're up there, they have two unexpected guests show up, Moses and Elijah, which makes this story pretty wild because Moses and Elijah, at the time this story happens, have been dead for hundreds of years. And Jesus is about to take these, these three guys up for a mountaintop experience. About a week before it happened, Jesus had these words to say to his disciples. He said, and this is Luke 9, 23, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Interesting. A cross, denying yourself daily. This sounds a lot like everyday life. Then he goes on to say, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. He seems to be saying here that big is not necessarily better. You can have it all, you can gain everything, even the whole world, but he says you can lose it all in the end. And then the next thing that we read in the book of Luke, chapter 9, is about the mountaintop. It says about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying... The appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. So do you see what's going on here? This is I mean, you talk about having a mountaintop experience. This is, this is a mountaintop experience in every way. Uh, physically, literally, it's a mountaintop experience. They're at the top of a mountain. And then spiritually and emotionally, it's this crazy mountaintop experience. Jesus is like, he's like glowing. His clothes have become like lightning white. Moses and Elijah show up. And, I mean, just imagine for a second, it's like, it's like game seven of the World Series. And not only is, is it this this incredible moment, but just when you think it couldn't get any better, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb come walking out to throw the opening pitch. That's kind of what's going on here. There's, there's nothing everyday or ordinary about this moment that Jesus and his disciples are having. It's, it is a mountain top. It is big. It's, it's dramatic. And all of us experience mountaintop moments in life. Every one of us does. You know, there, there's the emotional mountaintops that we, we have. Um, you graduate from high school, that's a mountaintop. You have your very first kiss, that's, that's a mountaintop. Um, it's, it's the day that you get behind that steering wheel for the first time, learn to drive. Um, your engagement, mountaintop, wedding, mountaintop, birth of a child, mountaintop. That day you finally got that big dream vacation, maybe some beach in Hawaii or something, and, and it's just like two weeks of mountaintop, emotional mountaintop. You're just living it. And then there's the spiritual mountaintops, that, that moment where you surrender your life to Jesus, and it's just so amazing and beautiful, and, and you just, you, you, something's happening on the inside of you. Last week, we got to be a part of a mountaintop for, for eight different people who got baptized, the spiritual mountaintop. You go on a mission trip to Mexico. I mean, it's mountaintop. And the mountaintops are good, aren't they? They're good. Really good. But they don't last. 
They're, they're not sustainable, but man, we sure wish that they, they were, don't we? We sure wish that they were. And, and we're never prepared for when the mountaintop goes away. Even though we know they're not sustainable and they're not going to last forever, we're never prepared for when the mountaintop goes away. The wedding day comes to an end, and it turns into a marriage where you're faced with your spouse's annoying habits, their, their morning breath, their flaws, the initial wonder and awe of surrendering your life to Jesus and all the emotions that go with that. It becomes a whole lot more like carrying your cross daily with all the struggles and the questions and the, 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 the values that, that go along with that. It's like you go from standing on the podium one minute to being back in training camp the next. Mountaintops fade. And in the story that, that we're reading in Luke chapter 9, the mountaintop experience, it begins to fade. Moses and Elijah, they, they turn, they start to leave, and just like us, Peter does not want this to end. And the Bible says that as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then Luke, who's writing this, who, who knows Peter and how rash Peter is, says, in parentheses, he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> there goes Peter again. He's running off his mouth. Doesn't, doesn't have a clue. Doesn't know what he's saying. But Peter does not want the mountaintop to end. He wants to camp there. He's like us. He doesn't want the everyday. He doesn't want to go back down the mountain where it's just ordinary life again. This big mountaintop moment, Peter believes, is what matters. He says, Jesus, can't we just stay right here? Can't we just enjoy this? Let's make this mountaintop experience a little more permanent. Let's build some shelters, boom, 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 and make this thing last forever. Peter wants to stay on the mountain, but, but listen to what happens after the mountain. The Bible says the next day when they came down from the mountain. Peter wants to stay on the mountain, but Jesus actually leads them back into the everyday, back into the daily taking up your cross, back into the daily needing his help, needing his provision, daily walking with Jesus. And in life, mountaintops are few and far between. Most of it is spent in the everyday. Most of it is spent in the everyday. We have mountaintops, but and they're few and far between. And, and, and listen, don't believe what you see on Facebook and Instagram, Okay? Nobody's life consists of just always going on exotic vacations, always going out on the town for these amazing nights with their friends, always having these epic family events, always having romantic dates with their spouse. Nobody's life is like that every day. Nobody's. But man, we're convinced that, that, that they are. And then we look around at our lives, and we look around at our job and what we do, and we go, wow, how big of a loser am I? Does anything I do really matter? Am I just totally missing out on life or what? But, but it's a mirage. Most of life is spent in the everyday. It just is. You know, even for the great men and women of the Bible, most of life was, was every day. Sure, the Bible records um, Abraham's mountaintops, right? But just like us, he had to wake up, he had to eat breakfast, he had to work a day job. The Apostle Paul, yeah, he comes along and the Bible talks about this mountaintop, road to Damascus. God, Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus, mountaintop experience. But you know what happened next? Most people actually don't know what happened next. 
because it's so ordinary, it's so everyday. Listen to Paul describe what, what happened shortly after his conversion. He says, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. What, what, what he's describing here is how he just kind of pulls away. He has this mountaintop experience with Jesus, and then he just kind of vanishes. Arabia was, was a desert, and it's like he pulls away. Many scholars believe that he went there to study and prepare for what God was calling him to do, but we'll never know for sure the details of those three years because they didn't seem important enough for the writers of Scripture to record. It was just every day. Everyday stuff. Even Jesus himself. He spent most of his life in the ordinary, in the everyday. In fact, 30 years of his life, prior to the, the three years where he's, he's, he's in ministry and he's teaching and doing miracles and all that kind of stuff, he spent his life as an everyday, ordinary carpenter. He's, he's getting up in the morning. He's having breakfast. He's grabbing a chunk of timber. He's sawing it. He's hammering it. He's building stuff with his hands, and then settling down at the end of the day to do whatever stuff God does in the evening before retiring to bed for the night. Maybe reading a book, going for a walk, visiting friends and family, watching Netflix, I don't know. But it doesn't matter whether or not we're talking about the heroes of Scripture or you and me, mountaintops are few and far between. Most of life is spent in the everyday. Most of life. So Jesus, he leads the disciples down off the mountain, and as they get to the, the bottom, um, the, as they, they come into everyday life again, um, as they get there, all of a sudden, everyday life with all of its brokenness just comes rushing at them. And at the bottom of the mountain, Scripture says, a large crowd met him. And a man in the crowd called out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into these convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I beg your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Now, this is a crazy scene that's happening here. And, and honestly, as, as, a, as a dad, I can empathize a bit with what's happening here. You know, if, if you're a parent, you know there's nothing worse as, as a parent than watching a child go through something difficult. Maybe it's something spiritual, maybe it's something physical, a sickness or something, and to find yourself powerless to do anything about it. It's one of the worst places to be as a parent. And this man and his son, they're, they're both devastated. And I can also relate to what's happening here for the disciples, because here's these disciples, uh, they, they, they can't seem to make any difference. And I, I know what that's like. Um, they, they're trying to cast this evil spirit out, but they can't. It's like those times where you want to help somebody, you want to make a difference in someone's life. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's somebody from your community that's facing a challenge. But no matter how hard you pray, no matter how hard you try to do the right thing, it just doesn't seem to make any difference. It's so unlike the mountaintop, isn't it? So unlike the mountaintop. On the mountaintop, all, all is well. On the mountain, there's no pain. It's just, it's just sheer elation. On the mountaintop, it's sunshine, it's roses. On the mountaintop, you don't have to wonder where God is or where his blessings are because they're right there in front of you. But in the everyday, it's in the everyday that you encounter your own brokenness and the brokenness of humanity. It happens in the everyday, the everyday moments. 
you know, occasionally Becky and I will, will get away for several days and, and we just think that's important for our marriage to be healthy. And, and so we, we pull away, we, we'll leave the kids at home, we'll go off someplace and, and it's a mountaintop. I mean, it's, it's free time to do whatever we want. We can sleep in in the morning. Uh, we, can, we can go out for dinner and, and have somebody else make our food. We're just, we're just full of romantic feelings for one another, and it's just all good. It's, it's a high. But when we come down from the mountain and we enter back into everyday life with, with a messy home and dishes that need to be cleaned up and, and stuff that should be in its place, and you just go find it, but it's not there, and you've got to spend hours looking for stuff that you, it should be there where you left it. We come back into jobs that can, that can be burdensome. When we do that, we come back off the mountain, our brokenness is put on full display. Man, impatience creeps in. Our pride is all of a sudden in front of our face. Unforgiveness, selfishness, it's in front of us. You know, I remember uh, a little over a year ago, I got to go on my first mission trip to, to, uh, to Mexico, and I was, I was riding so high on that trip. I was seeing humanity at its worst and humanity at its finest. Man, a team united together, traveling great distances to serve others. But when we got back home, the everyday hit really fast and really hard. Um, key families in our church were, were leaving. Um, we were just in this financial hard place. My faith went from move mountains kind of faith to like doubting and being anxious over a molehill kind of faith. In the everyday, you, you encounter your brokenness in the everyday. And what does this encounter tend to do to us? Well, it keeps us stuck in this place where we're just longing for the mountain, wishing for another high, perpetually living our lives, waiting for the weekend, waiting for that next big mountain to come along. But here's the problem with living this way. If you spend your life waiting for the mountaintop, you will miss God in the everyday moments. I'm going to say that one more time. If you spend your life waiting for the mountaintop, you will miss God in the everyday moments. You just will. You'll be sitting around waiting for God to move mountains when meanwhile, He is working all around you. You'll be wasting so much of your life waiting for the next big blessing that you will miss the tremendous amount of blessings that you have right here, right now. You'll be looking so intently for that next big, meaningful miracle that you will miss all the incredible moments, the everyday miracles that happen all the time. You'll miss it. When Jesus and the disciples, they come down from the mountain, they, they encounter this brokenness. Not only the brokenness of this, this dad and his son, but just their own brokenness. And, and here's the thing that for the follower of Jesus makes the everyday different. It's that even though they're down off the mountain, guess, guess who's still with them? Jesus, Jesus is still with them. And when we are on the mountaintop, yeah, he's with us. But when we come down from the mountaintop, guess what? He is still there. But we forget this all the time, don't we? We know he's with us up there when the blessings are easy to see. But in the everyday, as you're sitting in your classroom, listening to your teacher, lecturing and taking notes, we forget. When you're in the office crunching numbers, you're at home washing dishes, cleaning up the same mess that you cleaned up yesterday, the everyday stuff, we're so quick to forget that Jesus is with us. But he's there. He is there. He's never left you. 
And when Jesus sees this, sees this boy who's suffering, the Bible says Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, gave him back to his father, and they were all amazed at the greatness of God. God doesn't just show up on the mountaintops. He shows up in the everyday. God doesn't just show up on the mountaintops. He shows up in the everyday. I love what Eve said earlier on. I've never heard that put like that before, but it's so true. God is not just glorified in the product. He is glorified in the process. He is glorified in the everyday moments. He is glorified when, we're, when you're at home and, and you're, 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 you're cleaning up the house and doing it for Jesus. He's glorified when you go to your job day in and day out doing the same thing and, and you make it about him. When you are aware of his presence and honor and glorify him, God is glorified in that. Experiencing Jesus doesn't have to be big and dramatic. Yes, he's present on the mountaintops, but he is also present in the everyday parts of life. He's present in a fall sunrise. He's present in a pumpkin spice latte. Come on, somebody. He's present on an ordinary Sunday morning getting together with our church family to worship the name of Jesus, he's present. He is present at the football game with friends. He's present in the office. He's there at the construction site. He's there as you're caring for your children. He's always there. He's there. Don't confine God to the mountaintop. Don't confine God to the mountaintop. Maybe God wants to do most of his working in your life through the ordinary every day. Be a person that looks for God in the everyday, that learns to see the divine and the normal, and who knows, maybe you might just be surprised with how God shows up and meets you right there, works in your life, shapes you and forms you in the everyday. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love the mountaintops, Jesus. And God, we don't, we don't for a minute want to diminish the importance of the mountaintops. God, they're good. God, you're, you're in the mountaintops, but God, you are just as much in the everyday. You are just as much in the everyday. And Father, I pray, Lord, that, Father, all of us here, God, who live our lives in the everyday, God, we, we go to work tomorrow morning, God, it's going to be get up in the morning, it's going to be get ready for the day, it's going to be brush our teeth, it's going to be get breakfast going, it's going to be some we're going to head off to school. Some are going to head off to, to the same job that they've been maybe doing for years. We're going to see the same people. God, it's, we're, we're going to, God, wake up tomorrow morning and it's going to be the every day. But God, I pray that we would be people that God would not forget that you are there with us in the every day. God, you are glorified in the every day. God, you are working in our lives if we're open to it and we let you. You're working in our lives through the everyday. God, not just in our lives, but God, in the lives around us. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we, uh, God, even just starting this week, as we go through our week, that God, um, Lord, as we're encountering, God, not only our own brokenness, but God, the brokenness of, of those around us. God, I pray that, Lord, we would be open to having you work in and through us. God, maybe that's just going to be a, a a word of encouragement to somebody. Maybe it's just going to be smiling at somebody at the coffee shop. God, maybe it's just going to be, um, God, just having a conversation with someone that we wouldn't normally talk to. God, there's literally thousands.